So as we enter 2024, because several folks are playing with this technology already, maybe it's not enterprise ready. Hi, and welcome to the Tech News This Week podcast. I'm your host, Anton Gonsalves, Editor-at-Large for Tech Target Editorial. Today, I'm going to discuss generative AI in 2024 with Michael Leone, an analyst with Tech Target's Enterprise Strategy Group. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, Anton. Yeah, well, nice. Uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. You know, professional uh, services firm Deloitte says 70% of companies are experimenting with generative AI. I mean, this year, they have been experimenting. And less than uh, 20% are willing to increase spending on AI for now. You know, why are cloud providers and other IT vendors struggling to demonstrate a solid return on investment in generative AI? I mean, how have they, uh, at least this year anyway? We have some similar data where it's pretty much saying, hey, yeah, of course organizations are going to explore the ways that generative AI could help them. The big issue that I'm seeing is, you know, it's pretty easy to say, I'd love to to leverage generative AI and improve efficiency and improve productivity and enhance the customer experience. But it's really hard when you have this custom use case or scenario, and it's hard to establish metrics to measure the value, right? So um, as organizations are saying, yeah, we're going to have to make major investments in infrastructure and processes and people um, to support generative AI, we still haven't seen enough of a return from enough of the market to be able to justify some of the investments that are needed to be made, right? So I think that's a big reason why, and we're seeing this with the vendor community who are you're pushing out solutions and platforms and services. Um, there's a big emphasis on staying attached to their customers' hips so they can better articulate not just the value, but the quantitative value, right? And that's the big piece. It's, hey, um, we're boosting productivity, but for who and to what extent. And oh, by the way, if it's those people, how much does it cost or how many steps does it take for them to do X and what can they expect from generative AI, right? It's X minus something. Is it steps? Is it time? Is it, it, it So I think in 2024, we're going to see the emergence of way more case studies from vendors and management consultancies, et cetera, that really highlight that definitive quantitative value, right? Yeah. It's not just cost savings. It's not just, let's say, ROI. I think it's easy to gravitate to that. Um, but there's other components to measure, right? There's there's things like employee satisfaction or customer churn or metrics like that, that I think over time, they'll be able to have a better idea of what the, that value means. And then once more folks that are kind of in that testing POC phase, once they start seeing value from some of their competition as it's getting published, guess what? They're going to jump in very quickly. Okay. Well, so, yeah, and POC, by, by the way, for our listeners, is a proof of concept is what you're referring to. Uh, well, where are the uh, tech buyer community, though, enterprises? Where, where are they going to get these metrics? I mean, how do you... How do you see that play out in terms of whatever they'll be using? You know, what are the most important metrics and how will they be able to, to, to measure them? Will that come from the vendors or will it come from third parties? 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's funny when we ask the organizations about, you know, measuring AI success, you get a, you get a really interesting mix, the list of let's call them metrics or, or criteria to measure that success. So first, and this is an important data point, 51% of organizations today, so just over half have a well-defined framework with specific metrics and measurement processes to measure AI success, right? So you know, barely half of organizations know how to measure success. And then on top of that, it's a matter of establishing what metrics are. So I mentioned cost savings ROI, right? That's one thing. But when it comes to generative AI, there's some very specific metrics that I think matter that will enable organizations to more broadly adopt it and leverage it and build trust. The biggest for me, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, accuracy is king here, period. So if you're an organization, and you're investing in Gen AI, and you're looking to deploy this within the enterprise, either to support your own enterprise, you know, your own personnel or customers, all it takes is a wrong answer to erode trust, right? So what I'm seeing is organizations focus a lot more on the measuring success by understanding if a model is actually accurate in its response, right? Um, and we're seeing techniques and methodologies that organizations are putting in place to take pre-trained models and use retrieval augmented generation to incorporate incorporate their own enterprise data into generative AI solutions. And that's helping with the accuracy problems. Now, if I'm a person within a company and I'm asking a question, that response is catered to me based on my enterprise data. It's not broadly speaking. So I think accuracy is... I would argue maybe one of the most important criteria for measuring the success of generative AI. Now, of course, when you get into specific industries, you're going to start seeing, you know, KPIs that matter more than others. And this is where I think generative AI and predictive AI start blending together a little bit. Hmm. So when I think of a, a, an industry specific KPI, right, we could look at, I don't know, I'll use retail, for example. Right. Maybe it's uh, the speed with which uh, customer inquiries or support is um, is reduced. Right. The ability to answer a question faster, the, the reliability of a response. That's a little different on the predictive side where it's like, hey, what does customer churn look like? What are interactions or foot traffic look like? So it's really all over the place. It's really hard to apply broad value metrics. And by the way, because organizations are struggling to establish those metrics in a clear and concise way and a scalable way, they're turning to third parties. They're turning to management consultancies like Deloitte, right? Like Accenture, um, like those big organizations, um, but they're also turning to technology vendors and professional services within those technology vendors to help because who knows their technology better than the folks that are providing it? And it's going to be an interesting year, but I expect to see just an exponential ramp of customer case studies to highlight specific quantitative value across the board in all different use cases in different domains and different industries. And it's, it, I think that that's going to create a new level of adoption that it, we just can't even comprehend, honestly. Okay, so so 2024 then is going to be all about developing or, or showing or demonstrating the business value of generative AI. So adoption, uh, is it fair to say that adoption in significant numbers 
probably won't uh, start to take off until 2025 or possibly the, the, the latter part of, you know, fourth quarter of 2024? I think it's going to be a lot sooner than that. Um, just Why based on how, yeah, I, I, I'll put it this way. I think organizations are already focused on trying to find that value and they're already working with a ton of customers trying to make sure that they're seeing value from this. So as we enter 2024, because several folks are playing with this technology already, maybe it's not enterprise ready. I think that we're just going to see, you know, a majority of enterprise organizations have Gen AI in production to some extent in 2024 easily. And, and I will stand behind that. And that's just based on data that we have too, that kind of highlights the fact that, hey, if you're an enterprise in North America today, and maybe you've had AI on your roadmap, generative AI lit a fire, whether you are using it or not. 92% of those organizations will have generative AI in production within the next eight months or so. That's based on empirical and user market research that we're doing. So we really expect this to ramp. And by the way, it may be in limited capacity, right? Maybe it's a matter of just utilizing an intelligent assistant within some technology platform. Maybe it's leveraging Microsoft Copilot uh, within um, their collaboration software, right? Maybe it's something like that, but it's gonna be adopted quickly and, and rapidly in my opinion. Okay, and it's going to be, uh, how about the, the cost of uh, generative AI? I mean, it appears that it's going to be, I, I don't see how vendors this can, won't be able to charge a whole lot more for generative AI. I mean, I looked at some of the, the numbers uh, for this year. You got cloud providers, this was according to a Deloitte also, you got cloud providers uh, spending 3% to 13% of their uh, 2023 this year's capital expenditures on generative AI, right? So if they were to charge, let's say, $10 a month per user for their Gen AI service, well, it would actually be costing them $20 per month to serve that customer. So with those kinds of numbers, it's going to, it's going to get expensive. So how do you expect the pricing to play out? Do you think they'll just roll it into... Uh, a general software service and you just kind of pay more for the whole package or what? What, 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 what do you think? Yeah, I th um, that's a good question. I think, I think AI assistance enable providers to be more transparent in their pricing, right? You can price per user. You need to have a certain number of users um, and that's where you start. So from that standpoint, I want to say, I believe that the three cloud providers at least provide some kind of price transparency. I know Microsoft definitely does. I believe Google Cloud does. Not sure on AWS just because I know they just recently launched it. But there are at least some transparent costs out there of what it would look like to utilize an assistant, right? Where it gets a little tricky and where there needs to be an increase in cost transparency is organizations that want to do Gen AI outside of these prepackaged solutions, right? Hey, I need to consume four different uh, services, a pre-trained model, um, and I want to build something custom to me. That's where your mileage will vary pretty significantly, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think we're early there. What I will bring you bring in here is just what organizations are are willing to spend and are they 
So we did a study. We asked the organizations, are you willing to spend more for embedded generative AI capabilities? And if so, how much more, right? So what we found, 43% of respondents are willing to pay more for Gen AI capabilities. And that varies. You know, I think the biggest bucket within that 43% is like, yeah, we'll pay one to 5% more. Only 12% said they were not willing to pay more. So you're probably like, okay, well, you said 43% would pay more, 12 not. 45% just don't know yet. And you know why they don't know? Because we're still working on showing the value, right? It's what we just talked about earlier in this conversation. It's like, well, maybe it depends if I can see value from this use case in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Okay, let's um, switch gears a little bit here. I want to talk. I want to talk about specialized language models. You know, sometimes they're called small language models uh, in the industry. I was at the AI Dev Summit in San Jose last week, uh, and that was um, that was a conversation. Uh, at the summit. Now, for, for our listeners, this is the use of models that you can run that are small enough, let's say 10 billion parameters or less, that are small enough that you can run on-premise or in a data center specifically. And uh, you can um, train it yourself. You can use your own data. You don't have to worry about data leakage because it's, it's your, your software, your system. Anyway, this is a there's a number of startups out there who are selling this as the next wave or, or a wave in uh, generative AI next year. It's going to take off, you know. Of course, this is their pitch. What do you see there, Mike? Yeah, you know, it's um, I always like using that scenario of like, hey, I don't need the entire internet if my use case is to like you know, approve insurance claims, you know, like I, I think maybe there's a world where, you know, everybody will need a, an enterprise LLM, but we're just not there yet. Right. So there's so many benefits to using an SLM, a small language model where it's, Hey, it requires much less data. Um, it's much more cost effective. Uh, it's easier to deploy because I can put it on a, you know, a laptop or a common device or, or a small server. It consumes less power, right? So there's a sustainability angle to it. And that's just a start because we can start getting into things like transparency and control and understanding behavior. And another angle, right, is the the ability to address domain specificity, right? I can tailor it to specific needs or a certain industry and fine tune it in a way that I don't have to worry about, again, all of the data that goes into some of these LLMs, the petabytes and petabytes of data. You know, it's, hey, no, this is a pretty specific, narrow use case. I know the data that needs to go into this use case, and that's it, right? And then there's a, the component of experimentation. A lot easier to train those models and iterate and fine tune, and you're not getting that from LLMs. The last thing you want to do is train an LLM and all of a sudden say, oh, well, I need to incorporate a bunch of new data now. Let me retrain this and sit back for three weeks as that model trains. Like, no, that's expensive. It's power hungry. It's it's right. it's too much for where a lot of organizations are today. Yeah, and, and you bring up two points. And these the startups I talk to, they all focus on on those two areas you just mentioned. The cost of uh, of working with a large language model on the cloud providers, the inferencing cost is uh, is very high. Uh, mm -hmm. They claim higher than it would cost if you ran your own 
their own model. And of course, there's the um, the data data security piece. So, all right, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that um, how that particular um, option or alternative uh, uh, works out. It's, it's an interesting time in the industry, and I think 2024 is going to be uh, fascinating for for you and I to watch. You know for sure. So, uh, so thanks, Mike. I, I really appreciate you joining me at the podcast. Absolutely. Look forward to our next conversation, Anton. Same, same, uh, same here. All right, that wraps up today's show. Thanks for listening and happy holidays.